Okay, so, Brent is unavailable this week due to Hurricane, so I have decided um, to record an ASMR video, well, podcast, there's no visuals, it's too difficult, I don't have a good camera, but here we are, this will be an ASMR podcast, which will make it easier to sleep yeah, than our usual, very slow, probably boring, I don't know, it's fun for us, um, episode. No, this one, it's just me, talking to myself, rambling to myself. But, once you're asleep, you don't have to worry about that. So anyway, Yes, this, this will be an ASMR video in which I'm going to uh, explain the strategy of my Spider-Man Magic the Gathering deck. One card at a time. And if that's not interesting, well, again, you're supposed to be sleeping. So sleep. Or don't. You can stay awake. It's fine. Uh... We'll see. Maybe it's a challenge. See how uh, how long you stay awake listening to me describe cards for the next, I don't know, hour? I'm shooting for an hour. We'll see if it lasts for an hour. I don't know. Maybe I'll end up talking about a different deck. Maybe I'll end up talking about something completely different. Um, and I know what you're wondering. Is there going to be a any sudden loud noises to be... Uh, shocking and surprising, and no. No, there's not. I'm going to do my best to continue speaking clearly and quietly, and you know, just consistent soft voice sounds, I guess. Um, I don't know, maybe I'll say something funny at some point, maybe. Who knows? Maybe not. It's hard to be funny when you're by yourself. But yeah, whatever. Okay, anyway. So, this is the sound of me taking cards out of a box. And I don't even have to cut the sound out this time like I usually do when I'm looking at cards while talking on the regular show. So, yep, look at that ASMR card flick sound. For that's not too loud. Don't want to wake you up. Um, alright, so, this is a four-color, um, commander deck, you know, EDH, uh, Elder Dragon Highlander. I didn't start playing till a couple of years ago, and by then everyone was calling it commander, so I call it commander. I still feel very weird when people call their commanders generals, because I wasn't around when that was, uh, well, I guess I was alive, technically when that was a thing, but I wasn't playing magic at all then, so, um, yeah, so, uh, I guess, quick overview, I mean, I'm not gonna go through all the rules of how to play Magic the Gathering, that would take way too long, but, um, yeah, it's EDH, it's 100 cards, singletons, so there are no duplicate cards except for the basic lands, um, and there is usually one uh, card who is your commander, who sits outside the deck and can be cast at any time. Usually they will be essential to your strategy for the deck. Um, this deck, is, which if you would like to see the cards, at least you can see the first draft on um, the Funky Shack Discord in the deck box in a thread that is now archived, but if you look around, you can find the Jade's Spider-Man deck thread in which I uploaded all of the original deck and then some of the cards I was thinking about slotting in, which have now been slotted in. So those ones I will be describing in this uh, episode. So, the um, commander, as I said, usually there is one commander who must be a legendary creature. But there is a mechanic called Partner, which allows you to have two 
legendary creatures who have the partner ability to be your partner commanders. Um, only two, but um, awesome. Maybe some background noise. It sounds like the neighbors are doing some construction, and I don't feel like closing the window. But we'll see how. You know, maybe the noise reduction will remove that. So, um, yeah, the commanders of this deck are, and everything, uh, you know, is um, an official card that I have reskinned as a Spider-Man card. So, the commanders are a Kiri Line Slinger, who has been reskinned as Spider-Man Web Slinger. Uh, costs red and white, uh, no generic mana, it's just it's a two drop, which is good because if it dies, I can recast it fairly easily. Um, it's a legendary creature, core soldier ally. None of those, um, uh, what are they called? The subtitles, um, subtypes. Yeah, subtypes. Um, none of those subtypes actually matter on most of the cards in this deck. Like the, there's a couple that might, but mostly it doesn't. Um, so I'll only really get into those if they're relevant. Uh, but Core Soldier Ally. First Strike Vigilance. Kiri Line Slinger gets plus one, plus zero uh, for each artifact you control. So plus one power for each artifact. And normally, uh, Spider-Man is a zero-three creature. But, because it gets plus one attack for each artifact on board, the main strategy of this deck will be to put as many artifacts on the board as we can to pump up Spider-Man, and then find ways to either give them flying or unblockable, so you can just hit someone directly with Spider-Man, and in commander format, if you can do 21 damage with a single creature, uh, that's lethal uh, commander damage. So it's kind of a Voltron strategy, uh, Voltron being the name of the strategy in which you try to pump up a single creature to punch someone really hard. So, it's kind of a Voltron strategy uh, around Spider-Man. Uh, also, the First Strike and Vigilance in this card are uh, very relevant, very useful. Um, vigilance meaning that it doesn't tap when it attacks, so Spider-Man, as this very large creature, will be available to attack and also to defend because he'll stay untapped. Um, and the first strike will protect him when he does have to defend, because it means he deals his damage first, before the opponent gets to deal damage, unless they also have first strike or double strike. So, Spider-Man will be able to defend himself by dealing first strike damage, and um, be able to attack without tapping. So, all very good, very, very strong card, um, especially with the strategy in this deck that will just give you bonkers level of power. Uh, the second commander is Dr. Octopus, um, a reskinned version of Silas Wren Seeker Addict, who costs one, a blue, and a black, so a three drop, uh, for a legendary artifact creature, human. Uh, note, he, he's a legendary creature, but he is also an artifact, which means if he's on board with Spider-Man, Spider-Man gets plus one power. So. Uh, he is a 2-2 with Death Touch, and whenever Silas Run Seeker Adept deals combat damage to a player, choose target artifact, uh, artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. So, uh, not exactly recursion from the graveyard, but close. You know, it, it makes it so you can, if you really need to get something back from the graveyard, um, you know, since, since I've got all the equipment in here already to give Spider-Man flying and, you know, unblockable, you can instead give that to Dr. Octopus and then hit someone, and now you can recast your lost artifact from the graveyard. There's at least a few artifacts in here that you would definitely want to get back if they get destroyed. Um, and he also has partner. So, between him and Spider-Man, every color is in this deck, except for green which is only really a problem with um, getting a good mana base, because green has a lot of good color-fixing cards and cards that let you search for lands that I was not able to put into this deck because I 
couldn't get green. Uh, but we kind of make up for that with uh, treasure tokens, which are a thing you'll see a lot of the cards can do. Uh, treasure token is an artifact, so it makes Spider-Man bigger. But it can be sacrificed to provide one mana of any color. So it's color fixing and it's uh, synergy of all my artifact synergies. So, uh, now we're going into the 99 of the deck. Um, there is only one Planeswalker card in the deck. They're... Honestly, they're, they can be powerful, but a lot of the time they're like a thing people will target and try to destroy in Commander because they are so dangerous and it's a multiplayer format and people can just gang up on the Planeswalker and kill it before it gets too strong. So, unless your deck is built around that, probably shouldn't run that many Planeswalkers. I only have one in this deck right now, which is Madame Webb, uh, who is a reskin version of Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge, who costs four, a blue and a black, for a legendary Planeswalker Tezzeret, uh, with five loyalty. She has a static effect. Creature and Planeswalker spells you cast have affinity for artifacts, which means that you know, because this is the only Planeswalker, we don't need to worry about that part. Creatures, any creature that I want to cast, will have its cost reduced by one generic mana for each artifact I have on board. And since this deck is trying to fill the board up with artifacts to pump up Spider-Man and, you know, a couple other creatures who also benefit from it, uh, yeah, that will significantly reduce the cost of my creatures. So that's already really good. Like this card, it's it's six mana, which is a lot, uh, but it pretty much pays for itself with that ability. And then, you know, it's uh, uptick. Uh, plus two, Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge, deals X damage to each opponent, where X is the number of artifacts you control. You gain X life. That is fucking crazy in this deck, because I will get so many artifacts on board, and then now I'm draining everyone. For that number, everyone, everyone not, not just one person, every every opponent, all the opponents, you know, it's a multiplayer format, I'll be fighting a bunch of people, drain all of them, and then I gain a bunch of life. It, it's great. Um, uh, minus three ability, return target artifact from your graveyard to your hand. And, you know, that's even better uh, recursion than my commander Dr. Octopus has. Although it does cost uh, loyalty and it would be my, you know, activation for the turn, so I couldn't do both abilities. Uh, so I guess that's the cost of that. Uh, the ult, uh, well, ult, short for ultimate. Um, the, the strongest quote-unquote ability, uh, I'm probably honestly never going to use it. It's minus eight loyalty. To exile the top ten cards of your library, put all artifact cards from among them onto the battlefield. That, I don't think would actually work that well in this deck, because while a lot of the cards in this deck generate artifacts in the form of treasure tokens, there aren't that many that actually are artifacts. There's a fair amount, but not enough to, you know, lose the top 10 cards in my deck just to get the artifacts. I don't think that would be good. So mainly it'll be the static ability and the plus two ability for that card. Um, okay, so now we're getting into creatures, and I have arranged these by you know, commonality of the characters. It's like the Spider-Verse characters and the Sinister Six and like the Venom symbiotes and stuff. Um, so, first one is Miles Morales, who is a reskin of Akiri Fearless Voyager, which is the other Akiri, who... It's not quite as good, and also doesn't have partner, but also not not quite as good as Kiri Lineslinger. Um, it costs one red and a white for a legendary creature core warrior, who is a 3-3, with whenever you attack a player with one or more equipped creatures, draw a card. Also, you can pay a white to uh, unattach an equipment from a creature you control. If you do, tap that creature and it gains indestructible until end of turn. So, you know, it, th there is definitely some equipment in this deck, which is mainly used to suit up Spider-Man and make him, you know, stronger. So that means 
that with Miles on board and an equipped Spider-Man, I now have extra draw power, uh, which is on attack, which is also very good. It's better if it's on attack than on damage, because if it's on attack, you're drawing just for declaring an attack. Whereas if it's on damage, if an opponent you know blocks, prevents the damage, you get nothing. Um, and also, you know, pretty decent protection. You pay a white and detach your equipment, and now Spider-Man's indestructible, so he's, you know, protected from if something happens that would destroy him. The next card is Spider-Gwen, who is a reskin of Indomitable Archangel. Uh, she costs two white and a white for an angel creature who is a 4-4 flying and has artifacts you control have shroud as long as you control three or more artifacts. Now this could backfire in a sense that um, if like the, there's a card in the deck that turns all my stuff into artifacts, which is very strong. But if I have Spider Gwen out, while well, that's the case, I don't think I can actually equip my creatures with equipment anymore because they would also be artifacts and be shrouded and being shrouded means you can't be targeted and equip is a targeting effect so it could backfire in that circumstance but even if it does I still have a 4-4 flyer and also every artifact on my board can't be targeted um, you know that, that, that's kind of the drawback with shroud it's an older version of the mechanic that is now more common that is hexproof which is that hexproof is your opponents can't target your hexproof thing um, but you still can shroud is no one can target it including you which you know it causes some problems when you want to target your own stuff and you can't because you shrouded it uh, the next card uh, which I do remember definitely talking about this one on uh, a Shackfunk episode, at least a little bit. The Spider-Man Noir is a reskin of Joyra with our Light Captain. For two blue and a red, legendary creature, human arf artificer, uh, a 3-3. Three, three. Whenever you cast a historic spell, draw a card. And artifacts, legendaries, and sagas are historic. That's the reminder text. So, if I cast a legendary creature. I, I think the only legendary things I have in this deck are creatures. If I cast one of them, or if I cast an artifact, I get to draw a card. So that's pretty good. It doesn't count if I generate a treasure token. That's not a cast. That's just making a thing. But if I cast a thing, I, I get to draw. So keeps it going. Um, Penny Parker is a reskin of Dalakos Crafter of Wonders. For one blue and a red, legendary creature Merfolk Artificer, uh, she's a 2-4, who can tap to add two colorless, uh, which I can spend, uh, spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. So that means I can use it to cast equipment, I can pay an equip cost of an equipment. Um, also, the more important thing, equipped creatures you control have flying and haste, which means I can equip you know, Spider-Man with any equipment, doesn't matter. He'll still get flying in haste out of it. So, both of those, very useful. Um, Spider Ham is a reskin of Dockside Extortionist. For one and a red, a creature goblin pirate costs one, or not one, he doesn't cost, he is a one-two. Um, and has the ability, when Dockside Extortionist enters the battlefield, Create X treasure tokens, where X is the number of artifacts and enchantments your opponents control. Now, this is a card that came out in a commander deck a couple years ago, and I, I don't know how long it took before it became worth as much as the entire deck. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's that good. This thing, even if I didn't have the treasure synergy, like the artifact synergy, it's just that good because you'll have so many opponents with artifacts and enchantments that they've put out because those are harder to destroy than creatures so you know, people have lots of them and you just make a treasure for every one of them so now I've filled up my board with treasure that I can use for mana but also it's making spider-man bigger like that card I I knew it had to go in um, 
Next one, uh, a newer addition to the deck, Spider-Man 2099. It's a reskin of Bronze Guardian for four and a white. Artifact creature golem. Uh, he has double strike, ward two, which is like hexproof except um, if the opponent wants to pay an additional two mana, they can actually they can get around it. They can still target you. Um, but also he gives all my other artifacts ward two, so that's protection for all my artifacts. Not quite as intense as Gwen with Shroud, but still decent. And I mean, that that's just secondary, because really, he is here because he is double strike, and his power is equal to the number of artifacts I control. So, basically like my commander Spider-Man, this Spider-Man is also power equal to my artifacts, and he's got 5 toughness, and he's got double strike, so he's actually attacking for twice the number of artifacts I control, which is going to be pretty potent, I think. Um, Next card, Black Cat. She is a Grim Hireling, uh, which is a 3 and a black. A creature, Tiefling Rogue, 3-2. Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, create two treasure tokens. And uh, you can also pay black and sacrifice X treasures. Target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn. Activate only as a sorcery. So that second part could be useful as removal, but it is eating into your treasures, which you probably don't want to do. Um, she's more useful for the first half, which is whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you make two treasures. So yeah, she's just going to be pooping out so many treasures, which you know, will in turn make your Spider-Man commander uh, you know, two treasures, he's getting plus two, and it's... Yeah, it's, it's when you deal combat damage, so it will happen at the end of the combat step, so it won't really apply to you know the damage that turn, but it's still very useful. Um, next card, May Parker, is a reskin of Mother of Runes, which is a classic card that people use to protect their stuff. She costs white, is a creature, human cleric, 1-1, one, one, tap. Target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. So, yeah, she is there for defense. She can protect herself. She can protect any uh, creature you need uh, protected. You know, you just someone says, I'm gonna kill your thing with this black spell that targets it, and you say, Tap, no, I have protection from black. Which means you can't be targeted or. Uh, damaged or equipped, I don't know, there's a list of things protection does, it's kind of an older mechanic that's useful, but it, it does a lot of you know, things to keep track of regarding it. Um, next card, Vulture, is a reskin of Galzeth Prismari, costs two, a blue and a red, for a legendary creature, Elder Dragon, 3-4, flying, when Galzeth Prismari enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. Artifacts you control have tap, add one mana of any color. Spend this mana only to cast the instant or sorcery spell. So when I first saw this card, I thought, wow, this is going to be amazing. You are making treasures, well, you make a treasure, but also if you're making treasures off of other things, now you don't even have to sacrifice your treasures to get mana, you just tap them for mana. And that in itself is very powerful. Um, I missed the drawback that it's only the cast instants and sorceries. That is a pretty big drawback, but it's still a really good, you know, card for this deck. You know, I'm making a treasure, that's an artifact that synergizes, that makes Spider-Man bigger. And then I don't have to spend my treasures, or I can even tap my equipment cards um, to cast instants and sorceries. And there are a few in this deck. And it does add one mana rain color, so it will be useful for that. If I need to cast, like, uh, one of my kill spells that needs colored mana, I can tap my artifacts for that. But, yeah, okay. So the next card. Uh, Mysterio, who was originally... Uh, I, I had used a gnome from the D&D &D set who creates illusions. But... 
I came to realize that card wasn't super useful because it relied on having multiple draws per turn, and this deck doesn't do that. So I changed it to Moonblade Shinobi, which is a ninja. A legendary creature, human ninja, costs 3 and a blue, it's a 3-2, uh, has ninjutsu for 2 and a blue, which is basically if I attack with a creature, and the creature's not blocked, I can, in response before damage, pay the ninjutsu cost to return that creature to my hand and play Mysterio instead. So it's like, I'm gonna attack you with Aunt May. And the person says, oh, I don't care, she's only a 1-1. And I say, haha, it's not Aunt May. Mysterio. So, yeah. Uh, and, so the way Mysterio works, whenever Moonblade Shinobi deals combat damage to a player, create a 1 1 blue illusion creature token with flying. So, if Mysterio, you know, ninjutsu's out and surprise attacks someone or just hits someone in general, I make an illusion. It doesn't synergize as well because the illusion is not an artifact, but it is still, you know, he, he's providing defense. Basically, he makes a bunch of blockers, flying blockers, so it's still good. Um, next card, Craven, Heartless Hunter, uh, which is Pitiless Plunderer, a classic uh, aristocrats card. Aristocrats being the strategy in which you kill your own stuff to hurt people. Uh, he costs three and a black for a 1-4 human pirate. Whenever another creature token Oh, no, creature token. Whenever another creature you control dies, create a treasure token. Now, my deck doesn't take full advantage of this. I'm not intentionally killing my creatures. So, Craven here is more, uh, kind of defense, I guess. That if my creatures do die somehow, I get treasure out of that. So, if someone destroys all creatures in a board wipe, I at least profit out of that, and I get treasures, and then when I recast Spider-Man, now he's bigger. Or, you know, I just get mana to recast stuff. Or, just, you know, if a creature dies, then I still get a treasure out of that. And that still is the synergy that I need. Um, next card, Electro, is Stormkiln Artist, who is a Dwarf Shaman for 3 and a red, is a 2-2, two -two, gets plus one attack for each artifact you control, you know, like Spider-Man. So he will also be exponentially bigger as my board state gets better and better. Uh, he has Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, create a treasure token. So again, very good. You're making treasures off of doing stuff, which provides the synergy, which Blah blah blah. You you see how all this is going. Are you still awake? Have you fallen asleep yet? Should I check in with that? Well, ah, if you're sleeping, I hope. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with that. Let's let's just move on. Um, next card, Sandman, which is Zorn, who is a creature from the new D and D set. Costs two and a red for three two elemental. If you would create one or more treasure tokens, instead create those tokens plus an additional treasure token. So, I make a lot of treasures. Lots and lots of treasures. Uh, new card to the deck, Rhino, who is a reskin of Ruin Grinder. For five and a red, artifact creature construct. So, he's already an artifact. Um, he's a seven four with menace, so he can't be blocked except by two creatures. So that, you know, most likely I'll just be pummeling people for seven. But if they do decide to double block him, and he dies, he has, when Ruin Grinder dies, each player may discard their hand and draw seven cards. And the way I play Magic, I usually don't have a full hand of seven cards. I'm usually casting things as soon as I get them. Like an idiot. So, you know, for me, having to discard my two cards and draw seven, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the time that that's worth it. Um, he also has Mountain Cycling too, so if I really, really need mana and don't care about losing him, I can pay two and toss him and go get a mountain out of my deck and just play that as my land for turn. Um, Shocker is Deadeye Plunderers. Costs three, a blue and a black, 
for a human pirate, 3-3, three, three, he gets plus one plus one for each artifact I control. So, not only does his power go up, his toughness also goes up for having more uh, artifacts on board. And I can pay two, a blue and a black, to create a treasure token. So, yay synergy. Uh, Chameleon is Sakashima of a Thousand Faces. A legendary creature, human rogue, for three and a blue. He's a 3-1. Uh, you may have Sakashima of a Thousand Faces into the battlefield as a copy of another creature you control, except it has Sakashima of a Thousand Faces other abilities. The legend rule does not apply to permanents you control. And also he has partners, so he could be a partner in a commander deck. Uh, the legend rule is a rule that states that if you have two uh, legendary creature, legendary permanents um, that have the same name, you must sacrifice one of them. So the reason he has this ability is that he will let you copy one of your legendary creatures and you don't have to sacrifice him or the other one. Um, and the, there's you know, shenanigans you can get into. Honestly, he, he is also the card that I use in my Kirby deck for Kirby. So, you know, th there's more shenanigans you can get into with him. In this deck, he's mostly there because Chameleon is cool. And because, I mean, why not? There's got to be some creature on my board that's worth copying. Maybe Spider-Man, maybe Doc Ock, whoever I need an extra of. I can get an extra of. Um, next we have Venom, Vengeful Alien, who is a reskin of Reaper of Shieldred, uh, which is a f uh, cost 4 and a black for a 2-5 Phyrexian Horror with Infect, which is a nasty ability that makes it so if you deal damage to a creature, it's done in the form of a minus 1, minus 1 counter, so the damage effectively stays and also reduces their power. Um, or... If you deal damage to a player, it's a poison counter. And if you get 10 poison counters, you die. So, you know, that sounds scary, but he is a 2-5. So he's not going to be doing a ton of poison or infect damage. Um, but he also has, whenever a source deals damage to Reaper Shieldred, that source's controller gets a poison counter. So it's a deterrence from people hitting me, because if they do and I block it, now they got a poison counter, and if you do that ten times, you die. And if someone else at the table has a card that says Proliferate, which lets you put a counter anywhere that has a counter, they can pump up that poison and uh, kill you. So yeah, so just just don't don't touch him. Just leave Venom alone. Um, next up, Carnage is Zagras, Thief of Heartbeats. Costs four black and red. For a legendary vampire rogue, for 4-4. Four, four. Uh, a spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. Now, this was a mechanic that only showed up in Zendikar Rising. Uh, it's based on classic D&D party of a cleric, rogue, uh, warrior, and wizard. So if you have any of those four subtypes, those reduce the uh, cost to play Carnage. Um, the, each one of them, I think, I, th I know, I, I think I cut the wizard. I don't know if there's another wizard I put in in this place. But the other three are definitely still in the deck. Um, he's a 4-4 with flying, death touch, and haste. And other creatures you control have death touch, so he's making my board very scary. Um... And whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. So Carnage just really wants to kill stuff, and wants to make my other stuff able to kill stuff. Um, Scream, which originally I, I had used Demogoblin for this, because I had forgotten about Scream as a character I would rather represent, because she's really cool. Um, but yeah, she is Lightning Weaver, who costs 3, a black and a red, for a 3-3 zombie beast with haste and fear. Fear being an older ability that makes it so you can't be blocked except by black creatures and artifact creatures. Because you're so scary that you are only something that as scary as you are, or that is just a robot 
cannot, you know, deal with you. Also, as whenever Lightning Reaver deals combat damage to a player, put a charge counter on it. At the beginning of your end step, Lightning Reaver deals damage equal to the number of charge counters on it to each opponent. Now, this is a card I haven't actually gotten to play, so I'm not sure how well it'll work with the strategy, but it does seem fun and potentially another way to get some damage in, uh, especially if something happens to throw off my get a bunch of artifacts and punch with the big Spider-Man strategy. Uh, the next card, uh, Green Goblin, who is Archfiend of Depravity. For three, a black and a black, 5-4 uh, Demon with flying, and at the beginning of each opponent's end step, that player chooses up to two creatures they control, then sacrifices the rest. So, yeah, he, he's a very nasty board control uh, kind of guy, especially if you're going up against someone who wants to have a lot of creatures on board, because you're making it so every turn they have to sacrifice back down to two. Um, and yeah, Green Goblin would just like that amount of murder, that's, that's the kind of character he is. Uh, Hobgoblin is Captain Lannery Storm, costs two and a red, legendary human pirate, 2-2 uh, with haste, whenever Captain Lannery Storm attacks, create a treasure token, so more treasure. Uh, also whenever you sacrifice a treasure, Captain Lannery Storm gets plus one power until end of turn, so that's less relevant, it's more about, you know, you attack, make treasure, attack, make treasure. Um, uh, excuse me for a minute, I'm, I'm gonna cut this part out, but I have to answer, um, Brent, uh, maybe I won't cut it out. Yeah, now, now everyone, if you dig back in time, you'll realize I'm recording this on August 28th, as I'm about to answer Brent, as he's asking me a Star Wars question. Next card is Kingpin, who's Queen Marchesa. Costs one, a red, a white, and a black, for a legendary human assassin, 3-3 with Death Touch and Haste. Um, and when Queen Marchesa enters the battlefield, you become the Monarch. A Monarch is a fun ability that makes it so you, um, if you are the Monarch, you draw an extra card on your end step. And if someone does damage to the Monarch, they become the Monarch. So it's, it's a way to incentivize people to attack each other, with the reward being you get to draw extra cards. Um, but so, Kingpin enters, I become the Monarch. If, uh, at the beginning of my upkeep, if an opponent is the Monarch, I get to make a 1-1 Black Assassin creature token with Death Touch and Haste. So, Kingpin, you know, like Mysterio, this is a card that doesn't necessarily fit the synergies of the deck, but it does create some good blockers. Okay, so now we're moving into the non-creature spells, which... I, I personally mix all my sorceries, instants, and enchantments together, because that's just how I do. So, first up is Ruinous Ultimatum, a card that I did not change the name of. It is red, red, white, 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 black, black, for a sorcery that is destroy all non-land permanents your opponents control. This is a very powerful one-sided board wipe. The drawback is it costs 7 mana of specific colors, but that's not honestly that hard to do, and it, for this effect, it's absolutely worth it, because most board wipes will destroy your stuff too, and this one does not. And it hits everything, it's non-land permanence, it's not um, you know, creature specific, or artifacts or anything, it, it hits all the creatures, the artifacts, the enchantments, planeswalkers, everything. Uh, next card, Revel, Revel in Riches, um, costs 4 and a black for an enchantment. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, create a treasure token. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control 10 or more treasures, you win the game. So you can see why that's in there, I'm making treasures. Might as well have the card that makes it so you win the game if you have a lot of treasure. Uh, next card, Utter End. Is an instant for two white and a black exile target non land permanent. Though it's honestly, utter end being four mana, it makes it kind of 
too costly for modern decks in a lot of ways. There's so many cheaper spells, but it's still, you know, you can't argue with any non-land permanent. That, that's a lot of choice for your removal. Um, and it's an instant, so you can do it on your opponent's turn. Um, next card, Protection Racket is a reskin of Smothering Tithe. Costs three and a white. It's an enchantment, and whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may pay two mana. If the player doesn't, you make a treasure. This is a classic card. It makes a lot of treasures, which are especially relevant in this deck, beyond just the mana ramp out of that. Uh, next card, Damnation, is three and a black for sorcery. Destroy all creatures. They can't be regenerated. It's a basic board wipe, which everybody needs because it's commander, and you're going up against a lot of opponents, and there's going to be a lot of creatures on board, and sometimes you just got to blow everything up. Uh, next, Vindicate. One, a white and black for sorcery, destroy, target, permanent. You know, again, like Utter End, it, uh, I mean, I guess even better than Utter End, in that Utter End, let me check, yeah, well, okay, they're balanced, I guess. Utter End is Exile, which is better than Destroy, but Utter End is non-land permanent, and this is permanent, so I can destroy someone's land if someone has a very dangerous land, like a Gaius Cradle. But it is also a sorcery, which means I can't cast it in response on my opponent's turn, which is a kind of a drawback. Um, the next card, uh, the Knight Gwen Stacy died is a reskin of Anguished Unmaking, which is one white and a black. For an instant, exile target non-land permanent, you lose three life. It's a removal, very, very good removal spell. It's instant speed. You know, it's better than Utter End. It costs one less mana. Even though it costs you three life, which really doesn't matter. Um, next card, uh, Remote Theft, is a reskin of Monologue Tax. Cost two and a white for enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, you create a treasure token. It doesn't create nearly as many treasures as Smothering Tithe, but it is still good. You know, I will potentially make a treasure every turn, which is going to pump up Spider-Man. It's going to give me ramp. It's just a very good effect. Uh, next, Empire State Library. It's a reskin of Rhystic Study. Anybody who's played Magic Commander, you know, they're, they're just... You should be asleep by now. Come on. And here I am just listing off staples for this deck. You know, it's Rhystic Study. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, you may draw a card unless that player pays one mana. It's an enchantment for two in blue. You know, it, it's a very classic, uh, popular, you know, extra draw spell. You draw a lot of cards off of it, usually. Uh, next up, Propaganda, two and a blue, enchantment. Creatures can't attack you unless their controller pays two mana for each creature they control that's attacking you. So, defense. Make it so people have to pay if they want to punch you. Um, Ravencroft Institute, one of black and a black. It is a reskin of Oubliette. It's an enchantment. Uh, when Oubliette enters the battlefield, target creature phases out until Oubliette leaves the battlefield. Tap that creature as it phases in this way. So, yeah, so Oubliette is a way of removing a creature that is otherwise difficult to remove, especially something like a commander. Because if a commander dies or is exiled or leaves the battlefield, it can go back to the command zone and then be recast. With this, it doesn't actually leave the battlefield. It just phases out. But it's still there. It's it's there, but it's not there. So it's a way to really remove those things and stop them from coming back for a while, at least until the enchantment gets destroyed. Um, next is Threat or Menace. Reskin of Goblin Wardrums. Costs two and a red. Enchantment. Creatures you control have menace. So I I knew something like that would have to go in this deck because Spider-Man is a menace, and, you know, all these, all my creatures will be menaces with this out. And that also makes it harder to block, so I can swing in for more damage, which is also good. Uh, next, Seize the Spoils, two and a red, sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this spell, discard a card. 
draw two cards and create a treasure token. So, in terms of draws, it basically replaces itself. But, also, it, um... Yeah, yeah, because you discard a card and this. So you, you lose two cards, and then you get two cards. Uh, but also you make a treasure, which is especially relevant because of our artifact synergies. Oh boy, yep, next up is another classic, Cyclonic Rift, um, which I called Unstable Realities. It's one in blue, instant. Return target non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. Or, if you cast it the way most people do, uh, overload six in a blue, you change every instant of target to each. So you bounce everyone's permanence back to their hand. So it's it's a one-sided board wipe, it costs as much as Ruinous Ultimatum, except it's just any six mana plus a blue, instead of seven specific colored manas. And it doesn't destroy, it bounces, but it's still it's on it's better. I mean, it's instant speed. You can do it on the turn before your turn starts, and then you go into your turn with no opposition. Um, next up, Demonic Tutor, one in a black, sorcery. Search your library for a card. Put that card into your hand and shuffle. Because if I'm going to reference one more day, I might as well put one of the best cards in the game uh, to do it. You know, it's a card that lets you search your deck for any card that you want and put it in your hand and you can have what you need when you need it. It's great. Uh, next, Deadly Dispute. One in a black. Instant. As an additional cost to this spell, to cast this spell, sacrifice an artifact or creature. Draw two cards and create a treasure. So, yep, another way to make treasure. Um, and draw cards and stuff. Next, okay, so I mentioned at the top that uh, the mana base is a concern for this deck because it's four colors but not green. And this is one of the cards that'll help fix that. It's land tax. Cost white for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, if an opponent controls more lands than you, you may search your library for up to three basic land cards, reveal them, put them in your hand, then shuffle. So that will let you you know, mo most likely, if you're not good on lands, you will get the lands you need to be good on lands. And I really need a drink of water. Next card. Uh, Parker Industries is a reskin of Sigarda's Aid, which costs white for an enchantment. You may cast aura and equipment spells as though they had flash. Whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach it to target creature you control. This card is essential for any, you know, um, equipment-focused decks because you can just drop your equipment, skip the equip costs, slap it right on your Spider-Man who wants to punch, and let him go punch. Uh, another state for single white path to exile, instant. Um, the the card's title Spider-Man No More. It shows the classic art from the comic. Um, Exile target creature, its controller may search the library for a basic land card, put that on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So, very efficient one drop creature removal. Uh, with Exile, which is even better than just destroying. Uh, like this next card, uh, Lizard DNA, a reskin of rapid hybridization, costs blue for an instant, destroy target creature, it can't be regenerated. That creature's controller creates a 3 3 green frog lizard creature token. I do have a card that I've made for the lizard. I haven't put it in the deck yet, but I do have this card referencing the lizard. Uh, next up, Strike It Rich. Cost red for a sorcery, create a treasure token. Also has flashback for two and a red, so you can cast it again and make another treasure token. Uh, okay, and now we are getting into the artifact part of the deck. Um, most of these are equipment. A couple of them aren't. So first one, Symbiote Suit, a reskin of Grafted Exoskeleton. Costs four mana uh, for an equipment. It is uh, equipped creature, gets plus two plus two, and has Infect, which you know when I mentioned it with Venom was not as scary as it could be. This is how it gets scary, because with this 
I can give Spider-Man infected. And when Spider-Man is pumped up from all the damn treasure that's sitting around on the board, um, now he's going to be dealing infect damage. And then I make him flying or unblockable or something, and I, you know, can fairly easily get him up to, you know, even with this on board, this is an artifact that gives him plus one. The artifact itself gives him plus two, so now he's three infect just from having this on board. Not counting anything else. <laughs> um, Graphic Dex of Skeleton also has, when it becomes uh, unattached from a permanent, you sacrifice that permanent. So, if Miles tries to, you know, protect Spider Man by having him lose his equipment, it better not be this equipment because that would still kill him. Uh, it has equipped two, unless I have Cigar Zade. And then I can just not pay the equip cost at all. But absolutely worth it. It's a card that honestly I put in most of my Voltron decks. Because if I'm going to make a creature that big, I might as well make it as deadly as possible. Um, uh, next up, Spider Armor. It's reskin of Dark Steel Plate. Costs 3 mana for an equipment that is indestructible. Equipped creature has indestructible. Equipped him. So, pretty good protection. Uh, Whisper Silk Cloak, uh, aka Stealth Suit, is a 3 mana equipment. Equipped creature can't be blocked and has Shroud equipped to. The Shroud can, you know, become um, a little bit annoying if you I want to uh, try to equip something else to that creature. I basically have to equip the cloak to someone else and then equip the thing to Spider Man and then equip the cloak back to him. It, it's a pain, but. Uh, on the other hand, he can't be targeted by opponents. And also, he's unblockable. So, I just... You know, unblockable Spider-Man punch. Uh, next, the 2099 suit is Trailblazer's Boots. Costs 2 mana. It's equipment. A equipped creature has non-basic landwalk. Which means that they can't be blocked if the person they're attacking has a non-basic land. And pretty much everyone will. Because it's that kind of format. Everybody has lands that aren't just basic lands. Uh, any any dual land, really, will count. So, uh, yeah, equip two. Swiftfoot Boots, uh, a velocity suit, cost two, it's equipment. Equip creature has hexproof and haste. Uh, equip one. So, yep, that is a, a classic card good for making your commander faster, so they can just run in and start attacking on the turn they enter, and also they're protected because they have Hexproof. Um, Ox Tentacles, reskin of Cranial Plating, costs 2 mana for equipment, uh, equip 1, equipped creature gets plus 1 attack, or plus 1 power for each artifact you control. So. It's that ability again. I've got it on multiple cards and it's, it's really good with the strategy. Because everything just benefits from this critical mass of artifacts that I'm creating. Uh, and it costs black, black, well... Okay. So it's equip one, or you can pay black, black to attach cranial plating to target creature you control. That's odd. I'm going to have to double check the... Um, whether I made a typo here, because it's weird that equip would only cost one, but you could also uh, pay black black to do it. Seems like it'd be cheaper just to pay one of any color. Um, maybe I'm missing something here, I don't know. I've been talking for quite a while about these cards, and we still haven't gotten to the lands, although I think the lands I can go quickly, so we'll still be around an hour. Uh, next is Shocker's Gloves. Shocker. It's too bad I can't shout. This is still an ASMR video. So, uh, next... So, not next. We haven't even talked about it. It's, it's the Gold Vein pick. Costs 2 mana for an equipment. Equip 1. Equipped creature gets plus 1, plus 1. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token. So, more treasure, yay. Uh, Vulture's Wings. Is bladed pinions. It's an equipment for two. Equipped two. Equipped creature has flying and first strike. Spider-Man already has first strike. 
You can't get first first strike. It's just first strike. But it would give him flying. Or I could give it to someone else. I could give it to Doc Ock. You can be flying and first strike and death touch. And first strike and death touch is a really good combo. Because it means that you deal your damage first. And your damage is a death strike damage. So even if it's not as you know, enough damage to kill the person. Or kill the, kill the creature. You still kill the creature. Because it's death, death touch. Um... Next, a web shooter reskin of Zephyr Boots. Cost 1 mana for an equipment. Equip 2. Equipped creature has flying. Whenever a equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card, then discard a card. So, some card advantage to it, and also flying. Uh, Goblin Glider. Costs 1 mana. Equip 2. Equipment. When uh, Cliffhaven... Oh, it's, it's a reskin of Cliffhaven Kite Sail. When Cliffhaven Kite... Kite Sail enters the battlefield, attach it to target creature you control. So this is one I don't even have to pay the equip cost when it enters. It just flies in and lands right under Spider-Man. Equip creature has flying. Uh, next. Honestly, I haven't really talked this much since like the Darth Bane reading episodes and it's definitely very, still very hard on the throat. Um, Probably also because I'm trying to do this soft voice thing, but I think just talking in general is difficult. So, yeah, next card. Prowler Claws is a reskin of Prying Blade for one equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one attack. When a equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token. Equip two. It's like the gold vein pick, except we flip the casting cost with the equip cost. Uh, next is Spider Silk Net. Is one of the few. Yeah, I, I did not rename this card. It's one of the few spider cards that you can get without green, because most of the spiders in the game are green creatures. This is an equipment for zero mana. Has equipped two. Equipped creature gets plus two toughness and has reach. So, yeah, I mean even. The fact that it costs zero, and Spider-Man is stronger just because he sees it there on the board, that's already really good. Uh, next, the non-equipment artifacts. Uh, we have Planet of the Symbiotes, a reskin of Mycosynth Lattice, a card that is an absolute powerhouse in this deck. It costs six mana, it's an artifact. All permanents are artifacts in addition to their other types. All cards that aren't on the battlefield, spells, and permanents are colorless. Players may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. So, this completely fixes my color. I mean, it fixes everyone's color. But most importantly, everything's an artifact. So all my lands, all my creatures, all my everything's an artifact, and that makes Spider-Man fucking huge. So, yeah, it's... Like, that is, it's just crazy. Um, other artifacts. Uh, Talisman of Indulgence has been reskinned into a spider tracer. It costs two mana. It's an artifact. Tap, add colorless, or tap, add black or red, and Talisman of Indulgence deals one damage to you. Uh, I always prefer Talisman, uh, mana rocks to the Signets. The Signets, I mean, they... They are good because they're two drop mana rocks that provide colored mana, but the fact that you have to pay a mana to use them is just it I I forget sometimes to to do that. Um, and then um Arcane Signet, you know, a card that most every commander deck needs now. Costs two mana, it's reflavored as the spider signal, you know, that weird light that comes out of his belt. Uh, artifact tap add one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. So it's it's a mana rock that costs two and taps for any color that I need. Um, and then we got you know the good old soul ring, costs one mana. Tap uh, add colorless colorless. I reflavored it as the engagement ring from Spider-Man Three. And finally, we're in the last part of the deck. This is the land base. Thank god. And if you're not sleepy yet, what are you doing? Why are you listening to this? It's gotta be so boring. 
but maybe it doesn't, I don't know. Uh, okay. We've got the Command Tower. It's the Statue of Liberty. It is a land that taps for any color in your commander's color identity. It's a classic commander card. Um, Central Park is Exotic Orchard. Taps for any color in a land that an opponent controls could produce. So most of the time this will tap for any color. Uh, Air Duct is a reflavor of Rogue's Passage. It uh, taps to add colorless, or you can pay four and tap it to make a creature unblockable. Which is very good when you've got a really big Spider-Man who wants to go punch someone and uh, doesn't want to be blocked. Because unfortunately Spider-Man doesn't have Trample, so even with his first strike and his Vigilance, he can still be blocked. Um, Bank Vault is a reskin of the newer card Treasure Vault, which is an artifact land. And this, you'll see in a lot of these lands, is important because if I can make my lands be artifact lands, that means they count as artifacts towards Spider-Man's total. So, my land for turn is also making Spider-Man bigger. Now this one, it just adds colorless, but you can pay XX and sacrifice it to make X treasure tokens, which could, you know, give you a little push you need to get Spider-Man just a bit bigger. Um, okay, and then we have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. I have six, um, two-colored artifact lands from the Modern Horizons 2 set, I believe, is when these were introduced. Um, they are all artifact lands that enter tapped, uh, they are indestructible, and they tap for two colors. And these are all the ones that the deck has. So there's a white-blue, a blue-black, a black-red, a blue-red, a red-white, and a white-black, which I've reflavored into things relating to either Spider-Man or New York. So I've got all the boroughs of New York between these and the next set of lands that we're going to get into. Um, for these artifact ones, I have Queens, Staten Island, the Daily Bugle, Manhattan, Avengers Tower, and the Brooklyn Bridge. And then the other set of land, two color lands that I put in here, um, are the Bond lands from... I mean, some are from the Battle Bond set, some are from Commander Legends. They are lands that are two colored, you know, same pairs of colors as the last set, and they enter untapped if you have two or more opponents, which, because this is a multiplayer format, you probably will, unless everyone has died by that point. So, I have Skyscraper Heights, Sewers, Fisk Tower, Dr. Connor's Lab, the Empire State Building, and the Stacy's Grave for the, um, those lands. And then we have the four, uh, flat artifact lands. These, you know, the, there were some older cards. They're not indestructible, so there is a danger of these being destroyed if someone destroys artifacts. But if someone destroys artifacts, you're already fucked. Um, so, yep, the white one is the Parker Home, the blue one is New York Harbor, the black one is Oscorp Tower, and the red one is the Bronx. And finally, we have the basic lands. We have five planes, four islands, four swamps, and five mountains. So that covers the entire deck. I think along the way I pretty well explained why the cards are in there, how they all work. You know, the basic strategy is you get Spider-Man, you get a lot of artifacts through your lands, through your treasure generators, through this, that, and the other thing. You make a big Spider-Man and you punch someone with him. And so far it's worked pretty well. I'm pretty happy with it. It, unlike, you know, a lot of my decks, I tend to have two card combos in there that are like I win the game kind of combos. They're like really powerful combos, but those in actual practice in play uh, aren't as fun for the people playing against them or even the people playing them. Like, it's, it's a good thing to know that you have, because it is nice to be able to end the game. So, you know, if you have those kind of combos, you can play them and know that the game is over, you win, move on to the next game. But, on the other hand, especially if they come out early, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess you win. That's 
or I guess I win. It's it, it they're not amazingly fun. And this deck, I think, has managed to build a very strong synergy around an idea without having to resort to any of those. So it's made for some pretty good games. Um, anyway, um, good night, sleep tight, and I will you will hear from me and hopefully also Brent in two weeks. Bye. That's the worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>